What washer and dryer would the Samurai buy as of May 2012? Next on FixItNow.com radio. FixItNow.com. Samurai appliance repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. FixItNow.com. Appliance repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, FixItNow.com. Konnichiwa, Samurai Appliance Repairman from FixItNow.com here with you, and I've got Mrs. Samurai with me today. Hello. And we were going to talk about washers and dryers, specifically some recommendations for buying new ones if you're thinking about doing that. That's right. I mean, we focus on appliance repair, but there are times when you just have to buy a new one, and we've got a particular perspective to offer on that. Right, and we tend to come from a repair perspective and be less enamored by the glitzy look and the bells and whistles and... The pretty colors. And, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, see, be more concerned about what's going on inside the machine. How easy is it to fix? How easy is, is it to get parts and technical information that you need to fix it? And this is all prompted by an email from Matt. And Matt wrote in and says, Okay, I'm ready to buy a, another set of laundry machines. After coming to the site for the last eight years or so, I figured you'd be the best to ask. Well, he's right about that. Oh, yeah. So he's wondering, first off, and he's got a lengthy email. We're not going to read the whole thing here. We're just going to do it piece at a time. Top loader or front loader, old school or high efficient? Okay, I want to um, stop there and just, um, this is a good question. A lot of people wonder, do we go top loader or front loader, old school or high efficient? By old school, he means like, an example of an old-school washer would be the good old Whirlpool direct drive washer. It's a top loader, and it's got a, a coupling that direct couples the motor to the transmission. That's why it's called direct drive. It doesn't have a belt. Big honking motor, and used a gob of you know uses the gobs of water, mm-hmm. but uh, the thing ran like a tank and was easy to fix and just ran forever. They're not making that machine. Uh, anymore. Whirlpool is discontinuing making this machine. This is driven by Energy Star requirements. And instead they're offering uh, what they call so-called high-efficiency top-loading washers, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the direct-drive machine is an example of an old-school washer. If you can get one, I would recommend that you get that. If you don't mind using a lot of water, you'll use about 56 gallons of water per wash with one of those old-school machines. Right, that will be affected by how much you have to pay for water, how much laundry you do, that kind of thing. Right, but uh, again, very rugged, durable machines and and easy to work on. So if you can get one uh, and you're interested in that, maybe find one used and fix it up. They're still making parts for them, Um, but uh, as far as getting a new one, that's not going to be an option. And then, uh, so the question of top loader or front loader then, the whole issue of the old school machines aside, as they are, they are you know, wandering off over the horizon, driven away by the Energy Star requirements, then the whole question of top loaders and front loaders really becomes one of preference because they're all going to be high efficiency machines. And high efficiency means low water use. So, as I mentioned, like the old-school Whirlpool direct drive washers used about 56 gallons of water per wash. The high-efficiency washers will use, say, uh, like around 12 gallons of water per wash. Yeah. Big difference in water use. Whether you're talking the high-efficiency top loaders or the front loaders, 
they're all using much less water than the old school machines. But there is a downside to all of these, and that is they tend to be a little more finicky machines. Some of them have washability problems. Uh, some of them have uh, problems with catastrophic bearing failures, and we'll get specific about that in just a moment. Um. Okay, and just to insert here that this is May of 2012. Mm-hmm. And so all of the information that I'm talking about right now is based on the models and the offerings from the various manufacturers as they currently exist in May of 2012. So this podcast is going to be out there for you know a long time, and people may come along in a year or two or whenever and listen to it, and uh, the information may not still apply at that time. Right. So future man... You might need to search. <laughs> you need to search our site and see see if we've done updates since this. Right, and so this, so this, that's right. It's a good point. This this information is time sensitive. Yes. Okay, so having said that, let's get into some specifics about some of the offerings today of washing machines today, and we'll do that by continuing on with Matt's email because he asks some rather specific questions. And so we'll just take it a little nibble at a time and use that as our springboard to discuss these things. So Matt continues and says, I really want machines that work and don't break down, parentheses, too often. He does about two loads a day, and so he's giving these appliances a lot of use. If I buy new machines, I don't want to smell mold when I open the washer. I don't need bells and whistles or computer boards that crash either. Okay, so... He's got some good ideas, for just to insert here. First of all, yeah. he says they don't break down too often. All machines will break down periodically. So he's, he doesn't have unrealistic expectations of 20 or 30 years of service with, you know, from a machine with no repairs needed. That's good. That's exactly right. And, and so and this is the thing. All machines break. With that reality check <clears throat> in mind, then it's, the question becomes how easy is it to fix them how easy is it to get the technical information that you need to fix them, service manuals and that kind of thing? What are parts, what's parts procurement, procurement like? And um, are you going to get you know, the shaft when you go to buy parts? Right. Some manufacturers really jack up parts prices, and, and that is a, a big profit center for some of these guys. Right. He also shies away from bells and whistles, which does equate into expensive electronic parts. And unnecessary, I would say, in most cases. Yeah, if you can find machines, the fewer electronics, the better. Um, you know, a lot of people are used to electronics in cars. The electronics that are used in appliances are nowhere near the level of reliability and serviceability that what you find in vehicles, where they will run for years and years trouble-free in a vehicle. That's just not the case in appliances. These tend to be very shoddily made, low-quality boards that are just cranked out in some factory in China or Malaysia or someplace, and they will fail at the first hint of a power surge, um, at the first hint of anything going wrong in the power lines. Um, spikes and surges will take these things out. You can help mitigate that somewhat by using surge suppressors, but they're still very failure-prone. The they'll just burn out spontaneously. They're undersized components on them, and they're expensive to replace. Right, and do they really add to the washability of a machine? Not, not really. I mean, you really don't. I don't. I really don't think you need all of the of the computer. You need a simple timer, 
and some mechanical switches. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own theory on all of this computerization going on with, and, and, and I would say unnecessary computerization going on with, with appliances in general, not just washers and dryers, but is that it's all about getting people used to having electronics and appliances so that they'll uh, soon, and Whirlpool and GE have both bragged about this, all their appliances will be smart grid enabled. And people will just be simply used to having uh, com- appliances that are computerized. And so they're, they're sort of acclimatizing mm-hmm. people to having these over-computerized appliances. And eventually, when smart grid is completely rolled out, they'll be able to control your appliance use and monitor your use of these appliances through the smart grid via the smart grid board that's built into all appliances, and you won't have a choice. You won't be able to buy appliances that won't have, uh, that will be without the smart grid board in them, right. or so, smart grid enabled capability of the computer boards that already exist in them. So if you're not a fan of Big Brother, look for mechanical controls. Right. You want more independence. Okay, so getting into then some specifics uh, about his, one of his criteria here is durability, don't, doesn't break down too much and is repairable. One, a, a machine that does fit that bill is the Whirlpool Vertical Modular Washer, it's abbreviated VMW. Um, it's also called by a lot of techs, very minimal washing. Hmm. And uh, so, um, this machine, very mixed reports on its washability efficacy. Uh, it will, some people say it washes fine. There are a lot of people who think that it doesn't wash the clothes very well at all. It's kind of a rinky dink little machine. However, it is very repairable. And that's probably a good thing because you'll probably be repairing this machine a lot. Um, the parts on it are reasonably priced and kind of inexpensive. They're all kind of, you know, little cheap plastic parts, a lot of them that, that are breaking and need to be replaced. Um, so that that's in terms of repairability, the Whirlpool VMW washer fits that bill. Um, if you don't mind the um, questionable washability. And that, that would, de- again, depend on your particular circumstances. You know, different people have different laundry needs. Some people have really a lot of greasy, grimy, dirty clothes, right. depending on the, their occupation or the number of kids they have. And other people, their, their clothes are lightly soiled, right. in which case they don't need a, a high-performing machine. Right. And if you couldn't tell from the name, Vertical mod- Modular Washer, that machine is a top-loading washer. It will not tend, like all top-loaders, will not tend to have the mold... Uh, smell issue that uh, Matt references in his email. He doesn't want to smell mold when he opens the door uh, to the washing machine. This is a problem that's kind of unique to the front loaders. And honestly, you can avoid this. We have a front loader. We've had it for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, like 10 years or so. We've never had the mold smell, but there are just some things you do. You you use germicide when you do wash. You keep the door open between washes. Uh, You don't do all your laundry in cold water because that builds up scum inside the machine. Um, you periodically do a cleansing load and you, you periodically use a product like a fresh to clean things out or some similar comparable product. Um, if you are washing in cold water, you use an enzyme based detergent. There's simple things you can do that prevent and we don't have any kind of mold smell at all no. in our front loader. Also, the other big thing that causes mold smells is people using too much detergent or they're using the wrong ty- kind of detergent in their washing machine. All HE washing machines, top loaders and front loaders, need 
HE detergent, high efficiency detergent. This is detergent that is chemically formulated to work in low water environments. It's not like you can take your standard Tide and use less of it. No, you've got to use the HE. It's a whole different chemistry that goes on when you're talking washing cl dirty clothes in a low water environment. Right. And so if you're using too much, either too much HE detergent, like the idiot directions in the box tell you to do, you can generally cut those directions in half. Start with that. Um, you're going to leave detergent residue behind. Detergent residue is great substrate for bacterial growth and mold growth. It's got, you know, what's the chomps? Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, sulfur. It, mm -hmm. It's got the, uh, got the basic building blocks for bacterial life in there. And that residue, uh, bacteria grows in it. That's where your smell comes from. Okay, so um, we talked about the Whirlpool VMW washer as a top loader. Another top loader that you may want to consider is the Whirlpool Cabrio. It's also sold as the Maytag Bravo Kenmore Oasis washer. It's a top loading machine. Um, very repairable. It's a little more expensive than the VMW. I, think, I don't know if I mentioned before, the Whirlpool VMW washer is a low-cost machine. Hmm. That's its big appeal. It's a very inexpensive machine, um, very repairable, but questionable washability. The Cabrio is more expensive. Um, it's also very repairable. Um, it has a weakness. It's ten, it ten, tends towards bearing failure. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is that Whirlpool just came out with a bearing replacement kit that is very inexpensive, and it's a snap to do, and they even put out a video on how to do it. Um, by the way, most of these bearing failures in this machine are caused by people using non-HE detergents in this washer, and it leaves all this residue, and it kills the seal around the bearing. So, um, once again, people paying a lot of money for HE machines, and then trying to, trying to pinch <laughs> pennies by, uh, by using conventional detergent. Yeah, very silly. Mm -hmm. So, um, then in terms of front loaders, uh, the only front loader that I've seen, again, as of May 2012, we're seeing lots and lots of bearing failures with almost all of the front loaders out there. The one brand that tends to get fewer bearing failures than all the others is LG. Um, the other good thing about LG is they make their tech information accessible. They tend to be repairable, uh, easy to work on, and their parts are readily available. Now, bearing replacement on a front load washer is not like the... the, the uh, easy little bearing replacement on a Cabrio washer. It's a complete teardown. It's it's a it's a big job, and so this is no trivial undertaking. It'll if it's your first time doing it, it could take you two or three hours. So um, it's not something you want to have to deal with. And so for that reason, uh, I've seen way too many bearing failures in the Duets and the Frigidaires and the, and the GEs to be comfortable recommending them. Um, the the other brands I'm not a fan of uh, Bosch laundry in general at all. Uh, just tends to be way over engineered, over convoluted, and you're not getting a lot for it. Um, Asco tend to see uh, motor brush fair, uh, failures and motor failures, um, but not so much bearing failures on the Ascos. But you're paying a lot for them. So sticking with the other brands then, um, mainly. For, uh, I would say the LG would be for your front loader as of now, as of today. That's the one we're seeing the fewest bearing failures on. All right. All right, so that's enough about washing machines. And let's move on to dryers because that was the other part of his question here. Um, 
Okay, when you're talking about dryers, these are the simplest appliance out there. They do two things. They uh, tumble and heat the clothes and move air. So uh, that's it. And why do you need a computer and, mm -hmm. a, and a fancy little touchpad to do all of that stuff? Again, you're just all you need is a motor, some switches, and a timer yeah. to, to cut it off. The simpler, the better, definitely, with dryers. Right, and particularly, you know, remember we were talking earlier um, about how these computer boards fail due to a lot of junk that's on the power lines these days, surges and spikes and things like that. Well, for washing machines, which run on 120, just standard wall outlet, you can buy a surge suppressor that will help with some of that. With a, an electric dryer, 240 volt, it takes a different type of plug, you can't buy a plug-in surge suppressor for that. You're, you're talking you have to go down and have an electrician install one at your circuit breaker box. That's a lot of money. And that would similarly uh, protect, help protect, anyway, your electric range that has the nice fancy computer control in it with the digital display. You really don't need that on a, on a dryer. That's just another headache, another vulnerability breaking point. In my opinion, the best dryer out there, the best dryer that was ever made, is the Whirlpool built dryer with the lint filter in the top panel, you know, right towards the um, control panel and back, reach back, flip up the, the little lid, and mm -hmm. you pull out the long rectangular lint screen. That was the best one ever made. That's a tank. Yeah, ours is from the 80s, and yeah. it just chugs right along. It does, and it just, it just you put in the maintenance kit, they're still making parts for it. They're, they're inexpensive parts, easy to work on. It's bit, bat, boom. Uh, probably the most you'll, the worst case you'll ever have to do is change out a motor. Even that's not too bad. Uh, typically, the most common repairs, you'll be putting in new drum rollers and a belt and an idler pulley. And that they even sell that as a kit where it's all bundled together, and it's like 30 bucks or something. So if you can, and no electronic controls, if you can still find that dryer, that's worth getting. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can't find it new, it'd be worth it really to find it used. Go on Craigslist or something, buy it used, and then you know, even if you just pay uh, 25, 50 bucks for it, whatever, and then you have to put another hundred bucks into it in parts to fix it up, you're still ahead of the game. Rather than buying one of these new electronified dryers with these useless control boards in it that will be failing. Or a common thing is like on the Whirlpool Duet dryer. The touch pads, are, it's a common fail item on these things. They'll, they'll, little, the nice little pretty touch buttons, and they get stuck. They, are, they, don't, they, they stick internally so that the computer, the, the uh, central control unit in these things, always thinks that a button is pressed. Mm. And so the controls stay locked, and oh. you can't use the machine. Annoying. Very annoying and, very, and unnecessary. Again, unnecessary in a dryer. And you don't need the thermistor and all this other type of fancy sensing stuff that they put in there. So, for dryers, the rule is the simpler the better. You don't get new technology with dryers. Unlike washing machines, the technology truly is evolving in washing machines. Well, particularly with the low water needs. Right, the high efficiency machines. Not the case with dryers. Oh, there's some tweaking that they do, maybe to try to make them a little more energy efficient and that kind of thing. But there's only so much you can do. The mm. bottom line is you've got to add a certain amount of heat to clothes that contain a certain amount of water in order to vaporize and get rid of that that water as vapor. That, right. That, that, there's, that's just physics in our universe, and there's no getting around that. Otherwise, go back to line drying. That's right. That's that's choice. the next that's the next thing. So um, that's the recommendation on dryers. Okay, so that's washers and dryers, and this this pretty much is about as much as we can cover in a podcast and geez we've gone on for almost 20 minutes now i had no idea it would go on this long i'm sorry oh, we for can that. yak. 
Man. Um, so, but if you had any other questions, where do they go? They go to the forum. That's right. And that's at appliantology.org. Go there and ask us there. So you, you, maybe you're listening to this podcast six months or a year from now. The information may have changed because new manufacturers are coming out with new models all the time. Go to appliantology.org. That's our repair forum. And simply start a new question in the laundry forum. It's free. And, and ask us. Ask there's, there's myself and lots of other techs that frequent the forum and answer questions um, for people. So that's a good way to find out and stay current. This podcast is just a starting point as of May 2012. That's right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you need more help or if you need appliance parts, come to fixitnow.com or appliantology.org and use our part search box, 365-day warranty for uh, a return policy on all parts ordered through our site. Even opened and installed. That's right. Even even electrical parts you've already installed. There's a return, a 365-day return policy on them. And if you live in the New London, New Hampshire area, call the Appliance Guru for service. Go to applianceguru.com to learn more about that. All right. This is Samurai Appliance Repairman. And Mrs. Samurai. Saying sayonara. Fixitnow.com. Samurai Appliance Repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com.